we've completed our retreat from Afghanistan, but Biden's thinking that people will forget probably is a bad call, too. And the report from China, uh, the report that China didn't want anyone to read might be the report China wants you to read. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbass Talking Politics. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here to announce the completion of our withdrawal from Afghanistan and the end of the military mission to evacuate American citizens, third country nationals, and vulnerable Afghans. The last C-17 lifted off from Hamid Karzai International Airport on August 30th this afternoon at 3.29 p.m. East Coast time. And the last manned aircraft is now clearing the airspace above Afghanistan. Twelve hours early. The Pentagon announced Monday that all U.S. troops have been have departed Afghanistan. The final C-17 carrying service members lifted from Kambol Airport at 3.29 Eastern Time, United States. And again, 12 hours early. When asked, there are about 200, they say, they keep changing this number, but there were about 250 people left over there. Americans, full Americans, not green card carrying Americans, mind you. And then later today, they said the same thing. They said, well, there's under 200. So they're really not sure how many people are are left over there. But those people are left over there. That includes the Americans. That includes green card carrying uh, immigrants. And that includes Afghanis who helped us during the war. Do you remember this? I remember this. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Yeah, it turns out that was a lie. So, I mean, what a shocker. He lied. In fact, they skipped more than 12 hours, and I mentioned that three times already, and it's because the reality is they could have spent another 12 hours trying to get people out. But the, but the also the reality is a lot of people couldn't get there, couldn't get to the airport. And we're going to find out in a few minutes uh, how this was a major, there was a major blunder by the Biden administration. And specifically Biden himself. We can't sit back and say that, oh, this was all about, you know, people not wanting to go away. But don't worry about those people that are left, the 200 and 200, between 200 and 250 Americans in Afghanistan. Don't forget about the few hundred, and there could be a couple of thousand green card holders up over there. Which, by the way, they have no idea how many are over there. Super Blinken, Secretary of State, is on it. Listen to this, moron. Now, U.S. military flights have ended, and our troops have departed Afghanistan. A new chapter of America's engagement with Afghanistan has begun. It's one in which we will lead with our diplomacy. The military mission is over. A new diplomatic mission has begun. So here's our plan for the days and weeks ahead. First, we built a new team to help lead this new mission. As of today, we've suspended our diplomatic presence in Kabul and transferred our operations to Doha, Qatar, which will soon be formally notified to Congress. 
Given the uncertain security environment and political situation in Afghanistan, it was the prudent step to take. Oh, goody. More bureaucracy and diplomacy. Diplomacy with a group of people that are just doing horrid things over there that had been living in caves for 20 years and uh, are chopping off women's fingers because they have nail polish on. Yes, diplomacy will work. And they are they are doing some good things. I mean, they, they're... The UN is sending them, sending the Taliban letters and stuff. So that that will help out a lot. And, you know, then there was Joe Biden, who, again, was stuck in the basement. So his handlers had to write this some weak ass statement celebrating the end of a the never quote ending war, end quote, 20 years later. You would think that this guy would actually want to go out and talk to the people and celebrate this. Yeah, no, he didn't want to. So this is what he actually wrote. Quote, I want to thank our commanders and men and women serving under them for for the execution of the dangerous retrograde from Afghanistan as scheduled. I'm a little surprised there. He said men and women. I'm surprised he didn't say women and men. Well, you know, can't be woke all the time. In the early morning hours of August 31st, Kabul time, with no further loss of American lives. The past 17 days have seen our troops execute the largest airlift in U.S. history, evacuating over 120,000 U.S. citizens. Uh, That's not true. We didn't evacuate 120,000 U.S. citizens. Oh, I'm sorry. Evacuating over 120,000 U.S. citizens, citizens of our allies and Afghan allies of the United States. They have done it with unmatched courage, professionalism, and resolve. Now, our 20-year military presence in Afghanistan has ended. Uh, Listen, there's no doubt that the military is brave, and what they did was brave. I mean, 12 of them died, for Christ's sake. But the thing is, this airlift is not a... Biden seems to constantly want to compare this airlift to the Berlin airlift, and the Berlin airlift was used to support pro-American forces in Russian, in the Soviet-held East Berlin. And that was courageous. That was heroic. It was the greatest feat of engineering that had ever been done. He tries to comp- compare retreating to the Berlin airlift because... The only other comparison to this is the evacuation of Saigon during the Vietnam War in 75. And he doesn't want that optic. But the reality is, that is the optic. Okay, he continues. Tomorrow afternoon, I will address the American people on my decision not to extend our presence in Afghanistan beyond August 31st. Of course, it's because he's scared of the Taliban. That's why he didn't extend it. For now, I will report that there is a the unanimous recommendation of the Joint Chiefs and all our commanders on the ground that to end our airlift mission as planned. That's a lie. Uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff did not all unanimously agree. That's an absolute lie. Bush, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Obama and Trump wanted out of Afghanistan, and they both, because of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, decided to stay in Afghanistan with a minimal presence. So that's a lie. And let's just say it's not a lie. Let's just get wild and crazy and say, no, that, that actually did happen. Well, if they, he, he needs to fire his entire Joint uh, Chiefs of Staff. 
just insane. Anyway, their view was the end was that ending our military mission was the best way to protect the lives of our troops. They now 12, 13 troops died. That's 13 times more that died in the last year and a half of Afghanistan. So again, and secure the prospects of civilian departures for those who want to leave Afghanistan in the weeks and months ahead. All right, here's the thing. This is the one thing that's most disturbing. He's trying to dump the blame off onto his Joint Chiefs of Staff. That's what he's doing. It's not my fault. The buck stops here, except it's Trump's fault. The buck stops here, except in this statement, it's the Joint Chiefs of Staff's fault. Continuing, I have asked Secretary of State to lead a continued coordination with our international partners to ensure safe passage for any Americans, Afghan partners, and foreign nationals who want to leave Afghanistan. This will include work to build on the UN Security Council resolution passed this afternoon that sent a clear message of what the international community expects the Taliban to deliver deliver on moving forward, notably freedom of travel. You know, that's great. So the the UN might be worried about the Taliban, so let's just send them a strongly worded letter. Now here's some some real trick here. These people are barbarians. They lived in caves. Do you really think any of them can read anyway? But whatever. I hey, a, a piece of paper with lots of words on it. I'm sure that's going to get through to the Taliban. It will continuing. It will conclude ongoing diplomacy in Afghanistan, coordination with partners in the region to reopen air, uh, reopen the airport, allowing for the continued departure of for those who want to leave and delivery of humanitarian assistance to the Afghan people. What does that mean? It means that they're actually going to give food and money to the Taliban, because if you think the Afghan people are going to see any of that, uh, you are on crack. Yeah, no, they're not going to see any of that. So they're going to give, basically give money and food and aid to the Taliban. They're not giving it to the people of Afghanistan. Uh, For now, I urge Americans to join me in a grateful prayer tonight for three things. That takes some balls. Grateful prayer? With what he did, there's nothing to be grateful for. But here he goes. First, for our troops and diplomats who carried out this mission of mercy in Kabul and at tremendous risk with such unparalleled results. An airlift that evacuated tens of thousands more people than any imagined possible. Again, there it is with the airlift. He is trying to take credit for something that is, you basically retreated and you still stranded allies. No one's saying that the troops and the diplomats weren't brave. Yes, we should pray for them. But stop praising your bloody airlift. It wasn't an airlift. It was a retreat. And by the way, people were dying on the airplanes because they were they wanted out so badly they were holding on to the airplanes and they were falling off at 3,000, 30,000, 10,000 feet. Absolutely insane. Okay, second, to the network of volunteers and veterans who helped identify those needing evacuation, guide them to the airport, and provide support along the way. Which, by the way, uh, there is one volunteer group today, this was announced, that actually had 89 people that they wanted to get out, but they couldn't get those 89 people out because the Biden administration denied them access. Awesome. And third, uh, 
To everyone who is now, and who will, welcome our Afghan allies allies to their new homes around the world and in the United States. And then it goes on and he talks about the, um, he talks about the, uh, the troops that died, the 13 troops, and he names them individually. I would name them individually, but I, I got a feeling I'm going to mispronounce most of these words and I, I don't think that's respectful. But the, it was just a weak-ass speech. And what this guy needed to do was actually go on television and say something. But he is going to... Ha- and by the way, he should be on television any second now. I've got it on. We're waiting for him to come up. And here's a shocker upon shocks. He's late. Uh, so, but the thing is, we need to show gratitude for this? Well, of course. Because as far as Joe Biden's concerned, this whole situation is over and we need to forget it. Because that's the only way Biden is going to get away with this is if we forget it and we need to forget it. He's counting on it. He's counting that people, the fat, lazy Americans that are all white supremacists, homophobe, xenophobe, whatever a phobe we are, will get bored with this whole thing. Kind of like we got bored with the war in Afghanistan in the first place. Kind of like we got bored with 9-11. And we need to start worrying about the important things like climate change, the China virus, and how racist we all are. Forget about Afghanistan. Uh, nothing to see here. Of course, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is less than two weeks away. So I'm kind of having a doubt that this is going to be something that's going to be forgotten. And matter of fact... I got a feeling that's going to bring up some more stuff. So what's going on over there right now? Now that the Taliban is there, uh, completely in control. Well, the Taliban took over the uh, airport that the United States was using for their airlifts. And they're all wearing American uniforms, American helmets, carrying American rifles with American boots on. It was, the picture is all over social media. It's freaking embarrassing. We gave him $83 billion, gave those people $83 billion of our equipment. And then it gets worse. Remember those helicopters that we left behind and the Department of Defense was telling us they couldn't fly them? Yeah, guess what? They're flying them. As a matter of fact, there's a video with a Taliban fighter flying the helicopter, and then they dumped a person over and hung him from the helicopter via Scarface. If you're really interested in seeing something just absolutely horrid, and these optics are going to be coming out for the next year, year and a half. These aren't going away. And of course, instead of trying to set up a new government the Taliban has decided they're going to hold a mock funeral for the United States and the United Nations. This thing included flag-covered coffins, U.S. flag and U.N. flag-covered coffins, processions down the street with the Taliban yelling, death to America, and shooting their guns in the air. Yeah, no. They, we know they've actually, they've actually got it down. They got, they're going to get their stuff together. You're going to be able to negotiate with these people, I tell you. And then, as if $83 billion, giving the Taliban $83 billion of equipment wasn't enough, 
uh, abandoning thousands of people wasn't enough. The military decided to just leave all their support dogs. Yeah, like the support dog Conan, the one that Trump honored for killing one of those terrorists. The Taliban's probably going to kill him because they can't do much with him. I mean, the dogs are going to be vicious towards the Taliban. They've been hunting him for the last year. The American Humane Society president and CEO, Robin Gassert, said in a statement, quote, I am devastated by reports that the American government is pulling out of Kabul and leaving behind brave U.S. military contract working dogs to be tortured and killed at the hands of their enemies. And she's probably right. And by the way, the typical stuff is happening. They are going door from door to door, knocking on door, finding enemies that they don't, or finding people that they think are enemies of the Taliban, and just shooting them. A horrid video came out of uh, came out on um, Twitter. Just a guy sitting in his kitchen, leaning, turned all lights off, and all he hears outside is gunshots as they're pulling people outside and killing them, executing them in the streets. Listen to this. There's going to be so much peace. We're going to be dealing with those people. Just killing. And by the way, they're obviously not all that worried about running out of ammo. How much? How many rounds are they unloading into these people? Absolutely disgusting. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And you know, you know how the United States is going to quell these savages? Well, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor for the Biden administration, he had an idea. We're going to work with the Taliban. Does that include the prospect of giving them aid? Well, first of all, we do believe that there is an important dimension of humanitarian assistance that should go directly to the people of Afghanistan. They need help with respect to health and food aid and other forms of subsistence, and we do intend to continue that. Secondly, when it comes to our economic and development assistance relationship with the Taliban, that will be about the Taliban's actions. It will be about whether they follow through on their commitments, their commitments to safe passage for Americans and Afghan allies, their commitment to not allow Afghanistan to be uh, a, a base from which terrorists can attack the United States or any other country. Their commitments with respect to upholding their international obligations. It's going to be up to them. And, and we will wait and see by their actions how we end up responding uh, in terms of the economic and development assistance. So That's right. Give them money. Let's, let's bribe them. That's what it is. If, they, if they're not good, they're not going to get billions and billions of more dollars. They already have $83 billion of uh, military equipment, half of which they probably can't use. The drone technology they left by themselves is enough. The plane technology is enough. The helicopters they have is enough. You realize the Taliban right now has 80% has more Black Hawk helicopters than 80% of the world? We give... More black. We gave more Black Hawk helicopters to the Taliban than what Germany and South Korea have combined. 
Oh my God, what a disaster. You know, we should just, yes, we should give them money. We should give them uh, other aid like food and we got to give them the vaccine, right? They got to have the vaccine because you saw those terrorists wearing uh, masks while they were committing terror. Uh, we should also give them some of our nuclear technology too. Let them let them work on that. Let them become part of the world community, whatever Biden says. Well, there are some things. Um, there, we're actually finding out right now that the Biden administration really must have screwed this up because they knew about most of this stuff before. And there were actually some deals made. Now, this was such an important story. I actually got a subscription to the Washington Post. I know, don't crucify me. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible newspaper, but they do have some funny-ass stories. So I, I just said, okay, screw it. I, eventually, I'm going to do the New York Times, too, because they, they just, they do. But the New York Times is too expensive. I don't spend that much money on them. But the Washington Post, in a rare case of journalisming, decided to release a story called Surprise, Panic, and Fateful Choices the, the Day America Lost Its Longest War. There are some stunning stuff that came out of this, and this stuff is going to have to be answered. Now, the first half, of course, blames the Afghans. It blames Asar Afghani and things like that. And basically what it was is Asar Afghani had actually gone out and said that they were the Afghan army would have no problem holding down the Taliban. That the Afghan government only needed six weeks to or six months to stabilize. There would, if there was going to be a transfer of power, it would be a peaceful transfer of power. And then uh, Ghani was told, Oh, by the way, the last president in 1996 in Afghanistan was disemboweled and hung upside down. And so Ghani said, skip it. He walked out with no suitcases, only the clothes on his back, and $5 million, and left the country for some rush, Ubunistan, or whatever it's called, over in northern Russia. So the United States knew that the Taliban was not holding, knew that the Afghan army was not holding. The... Uh, Ghani wanted to pull everyone back closer to Kabul to let them fight. And they knew, they knew that Afghanistan could fall two weeks after the announcement. And this is something the article kind of hides because they got to hide Biden, right? They announced two, they knew two weeks after they, in June, after they announced the pullout, they knew that the Afghan army wasn't going to hold and they even said by fall of this year, which is tomorrow, Kabul would have fallen. So the United States, so the United States, Ghani is out at this point. And this is the most shocking part of the article. I'm going to read you this part. Uh, Ghani leaves without telling the United States. The Afghan government has all but collapsed. The United States is leaving the Taliban knows they have taken over Afghanistan. They know they've won. And all they're doing is waiting for the United States to leave. Now, listen to this part of the article. It's absolutely amazing. And before, I never thought there was any type of reason to impeach Biden. 
this might be a reason to impeach Biden or at least use the 25th Amendment. Listen to this. Quote, in a hastily arranged in-person meeting, senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including McKenzie, the commander of the U.S. Central Command, spoke with Abdul Ghani Baradar, head of the Taliban political wing. Quote, we have a lot of problem, end quote, Baradar said, according to U.S. official. Quote, we have two options to deal with it. You, the United States military, take responsible for secure, responsibility for securing Kabul, and you may have to allow us to do it, or you may have to allow us to do it. Throughout the day, Biden had remained resolute in his decision to withdraw all American troops from Afghanistan. The collapse of the Afghan government hadn't changed his mind. Mackenzie, aware of those orders, told Baradar, that the U.S. mission was only to evacuate American citizens, Afghan allies, and others at risk. The United States, he told Baradar, needed the airport to do it. On the spot, an understanding was reached, according to two other U.S. officials. The United States would have the airport until August 31st, but the Taliban would control the city. The Taliban offered the United States the opportunity to control Kabul until people were cleared out. The United, by the United States, by the way, Joe Biden. And Joe Biden said no. The United States could control the airport and the Al Taliban ended up controlling the city. Now, forget that Joe Biden just gave up the country to 8th century barbarians who are protecting and training the same terrorists who caused 9-11 and is releasing those terrorists and and the Taliban are releasing those terrorists from Afghan prisons. But here's what could have been avoided. The chaos at the airport could have been avoided. Kids falling from planes while holding them from the outside, falling 3,000 feet, that could have been avoided. A lot of our assets could have been shipped out or destroyed. Instead, instead the Taliban ended up taking that stuff. That could have been avoided. Americans, green card holders, and Americans being stranded and threatened. All that could have been avoided. The terrorist attack on the airport that killed 13 U.S. soldiers and about 200 Afghans, that could have been avoided. This is a huge F-up by Joe Biden. He owns it. And I just finished listening to his speech right now. That's one of the reasons why you might have heard kind of a, a, a pause he blamed Trump twice. He blamed, blamed the Afghan government once. He blamed the Afghan military. And then in the same breath said that this is all on him. The buck start, stops there. Except the buck stopped with Trump. It stopped with the Afghan military. It stopped with the Afghan government. Joe, this is all Joe's decision. He has blood on his hands. Okay, and this is a story I wanted to talk about yesterday, but I, I didn't, so I might be a little, a little bit off here, uh, a little bit long, run a little long, sorry. But per the Daily Wire, quote, the President Joe Biden's administration released a long-awaited report on Friday afternoon about the origins of SARS-CoV-2. The report gave no definitive answers, was relatively soft on China, and effectively stated 
that the origins of coronavirus will never be known without China's cooperation. Wow, I bet you were absolutely shocked to hear about this. Now, the only part of the report that was released was basically the summary. It was a page, little over a page, I mean, literally a page in seven lines. It was very short. The unclassified, um, you can actually go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and read the report, that summary, but don't bother because I'm pretty much going to read it to you here. So the introduction paragraph of this says, the IC, which is the intelligence community, assesses that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that caused COVID-19, probably emerged and, and infected humans through initial small-scale exposure that occurred no later than November of 2019, with the first known cluster of COVID-19 cases arising in Wuhan, China, in December 2019. In addition, the uh, intelligence community was able to reach broad agreement on several other key issues. We judged that the virus was not developed as a biological weapon. That's probably true. Uh, most agencies also assess with low confidence that SARS-CoV-2 probably was not genetically engineered. That's probably false. However, two agencies believe there was not sufficient enough evidence to make an assessment either way. Finally, the IC uh, intelligence community assesses China's officials did not have foreknowledge of the virus before the outbreak of COVID-19 emerged. Yeah, BS, right off the bat. We can see where this is going. So let me give you uh, the assessment. And by the way, once I read a lot of this stuff, I, I've read the entire report to you. You don't even need to worry about it. So the assessment comes in four bullet points. First bullet point, four intelligence community elements in the National Intelligence Council assess with low confidence that the initial SARS-CoV-2 infection was most likely caused by natural exposure to animal infected with it or a close progenitor virus a virus that probably would be more than 99% similar to SARS-CoV-2. These analyses give weight to China's officials' lack of knowledge and the numerous vectors of natural exposure and other factors. Okay, this would go completely against what actual scientists are saying, including scientists that escaped China and ended up into the United States who are virologists. Okay, they're all saying, no, this virus is no way this was a natural virus. And uh, I know we got to worry about things. I don't have to worry. I'm not popular enough on YouTube or anywhere to actually be a thing. But that actually is counter to what scientists, virologists are saying. This is counter to what emails are saying from, to, David, to Tony Fauci, that this was created in a lab. So right off the bat, you got to sit there, four IC elements. You know what I'd like to know? And the National Intelligence Council, I don't buy them in the first place. Who are these IC elements and where are they coming? And I understand it's with low confidence, but what makes them confident at all that this actually is nature? Um, a, uh, a bat effed a pangolin and then was killed and brought to the wet market. I mean, what? Where, where did they come up with this stuff? Here's the second part. One IC element assesses with moderate confidence that the first human infection with SARS-CoV-2 
most likely was a result of a laboratory-associated incident, probably involving experimentation, animal handling, or sampling by the Wuhan Institute of Virology. These analysts give weight to the inherently risky nature of the work on the coronaviruses. This is better. Okay, but here's the thing. Um, you got people from the Wuhan Institute in the United States right now that are saying, yeah, no, this came from the Wuhan Institute. You've got people who said the Wuhan Institute actually released this virus by accident, and I believe it was an accident. I don't think this was on purpose. I don't think this was a biological weapon. I do think it was genetically modified. You got people, doctors over there that said, hey, this thing got released and they disappeared in China. They've been killed or just flat out disappeared. This is actually probably the most likely, except it's probably genetically engineered. Three, and now analysts at 3IC Elements remain unable to coalesce around either explanation without additional information with some analysts favoring natural origin, others laboratory origin, and some seeing the hypothesis as equally, the hypotheses as equally likely. Okay, so in other words, we don't have any freaking idea. That's what they're saying. And then the last point, variations in analytic views largely stem from the differences in how agencies weigh intelligence reporting and scientific publications and intelligence and scientific gaps. In other words, what I just read, in big words, lots of multisyllabic words, they don't know crap. And the conclusion actually explains why they don't know crap. Quote, China's cooperation most likely would be needed to reach a conclusive assessment of the origins of COVID-19. Beijing, however, continues to hinder the global investigation, resist sharing information, and blame other countries, including the United States. These actions reflect, in part, China's government's own uncertainty about where the investigation could lead, as well as its frustration. The international community is using the issue to exert political pressure on China. That is a very telling quote. So in other words, China's not cooperating, not because they're hiding something, because they are hiding something. I mean, they're killing people. They, they According to China's statistics, they still only have 5,000 deaths from the China virus. And we already know they've got at least 100,000 deaths. We know that. We've seen the urns because they just kill people, bury them, burn them, whatever. But these actions reflect, in part, China government's own uncertainty about where the investigation could lead. Of course they're uncertain. No, they're pretty certain. They're certain in that it's going to lead that China is actually to blame, and then they're going to be fiscally responsible for it, and people are going to expect their pound of flesh. That's what it is. As well as its frustration, the international community is using the issue to exert political pressure. So in other words, um, they're afraid that they are actually going to get caught up and then there's going to be politics thrown in there to say that China is not the great country. Hey, don't forget, China is the country, by the way, that actually manipulated the gold medals during the during the Olympics. So they they included Hong Kong and Taiwan so they'd have more gold medals than the United States. This is a very insecure company country and they should be insecure. They're they're not a very they're a superpower. 
they're a superpower that can be crushed, much like the Soviet Union. And I'll go a step further. I think China can be crushed faster than the Soviet Union. But everyone's ignoring this. This was a piss-poor report. And I have a couple of questions reading this report. The first one is, is our government going to do anything about this? We have been shut down for a year. We have been on massive restriction for the last six months after that year. So we've been actually pretty much controlled for the last year and a half. And it doesn't seem like anyone wants to blame someone for this. Hey, I got news for you. A bunny did not screw a bat, and the bat did not screw the pangolin, and the pangolin wasn't eaten by somebody in Wuhan. That's not where this virus came from. That is all a lie. Is someone going to actually look this up and figure out what happened here? The other question is, if Trump was president, do you think he would do anything about this? It's a rhetorical question. All these questions are rhetorical. The answer is yes. I mean, he was, before he before he was left office, he said, before he lost the election, he said, China's going to pay for this. They're going to pay for this. And by the way, why is China not cooperating? Could it be that they did F this up and they don't want to suffer any consequences? By the way, if they did admit they F this up, would the United States under sleepy, creepy Joe do anything about it? Because we already know he's getting paid by China. Well, we know Hunter is getting paid by China. And Hunter is describing in his emails from his 18 lost laptops that the big guy needs his cut. And Joe Biden, who's been in office for 50 years, owns like 15 mansions. So you know he's getting money from somewhere. And by the way, why is Joe why is Joe Biden not pushing China? Could it be he is actually compromised? Hey, now, come on. We all know the answers to these questions. We all know the answers. I know the answers to the questions. They're rhetorical questions to you, but you know the answers to these questions. Let's call a spade a spade. And that's not a racial thing, by the way. I mean literally ace of spades in cards. So don't get all mad at me. Let's call a spade a spade. This guy is compromised. This guy is not going to push China. And there's a reason that this report is not being talked about right now. It's because it completely says, we don't know, and China's not cooperating, and you can't have this report out. So China didn't want you to read this report, but believe me, you, 99.99% of the people aren't going to read this page and a half introduction. And so China's going to say, well, the United States just proved we didn't do anything wrong. That's what's going to come out next. Of course, we've got Afghanistan and racism and the border crisis and inflation and gas prices are going up 10%. And we've got all sorts of crap that we've got problems here. And so everyone's going to ignore this. Okay, so go visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com so you can take a look at all of my links in the videos. I've got some pictures. i got some nice stuff on there. I hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbass Talking Politics. <laughs>